Hey folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You've heard this before, but we're new and improved now, and so is the Dunlap Champions Club. It's back for another year. You know that. By now, if you have not been in there, I don't know what you've been doing, but we will remind you, this is always the best time to test drive. If you want to check it out, we have the spring game coming up April 18th, followed by a concert. Uh, good pricing to get in and see what you've been missing. A reserved chairback seat, access to indoor air-conditioned areas, always a good thing. All-inclusive food and soft drinks starting two hours before kickoff. Access, I love this part, to adult beverages and more. Funny that you would be the one to bring that up. Uh, the home schedule this year, obviously, when we get to the, the fall portion, uh, the, the meat of the actual football season, I guess I should say. Clemson and Florida are on the docket. Pitt coming to town for basically the first time since uh, since KJ played. Well, I guess shortly after you uh should we say retired? Finished. I, I wish finished. That's good. Finished. Anyway, uh, as far as the spring game goes, again, 5 o'clock kick on April 18th. And if you're a, a booster member already, a, a ticket holder in the Dunlap Champions Club, it's just 60 bucks to get in for that. Uh, if not, $80. But either way, uh, particularly if you're general public and have not sampled the Dunlap Champions Club, Champions Club it's the best way to do it. You can schedule a private tour as well. So if you don't want to, if you want to buy after seeing, you can go in, take a good look, walk around, see what's going on. It's a big place. 20,000 square feet of space uh, can handle up to 500 folks. If you've got other plans for other types of events that you want to schedule, it's worth the visit. 644-1830 is the number to call. Now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, how are you, sir? Borderline bored. This distancing and staying at home stuff has got me a little, a little bit uh, out of kilter. What, how about what about you? Yeah, I don't think it's borderline for me. I think I'm there, you know. And uh, but it is what it is. We'll plow through. I did get some comments last week. People enjoyed our driveway style social distancing approach so maybe we'll return to that because we sounded like the masters when they faked the uh, birds chirping at augusta because there were (laughs) last week but uh this time our listeners will have already discerned that uh, instead of birds chirping you might hear what sounds like a little computer garble and that is because uh we're embracing tech well i don't know if we're embracing technology we're using technology to get through this show and we do have a good show coming up it's it's kind of crazy, Keith. There's nothing on the court or on the field happening, but I do feel like there's been a lot to talk about with sports. And on that front, the big news this week for Florida State is that Devin Vassell went ahead and announced that he was turning pro. We discussed this last week. We knew it was going to happen, but we held out that one iota of hope that maybe somehow he really loved Tallahassee and would come back for another year. But he's doing what he needs to do. He's potentially uh, – he's at the middle of the draft. I mean, he's got an off chance to slide into the lottery, and so he's going to go get paid. Good luck to him. Exactly, and, and best wishes to him. And I think it's it, to to pick on your language just a hair. I think he does love Tallahassee, but he just doesn't love Tallahassee enough to stay for another year. I think he very much enjoyed his time at Florida State. He's very popular uh, amongst his teammates. Very well respected this year with his performance on the court. Obviously, well respected around the ACC and got the attention of uh, a number of uh, NBA scouts. And uh, I, I'm with you. I think his stock has risen, uh, and this is probably uh, in his best interest. And we'll just be selfish 
and wish that he stays, but at the same time, uh, send him off with all of our best wishes. Exactly right. And I pulled up three or four mock drafts today just to look at them, and they had him 14, 15, 16. I mean, really right there. So you can't argue with the decision. And if you've got a mock draft that lists guys from 1 to 30 or however far they're ranking them, I guess it doesn't really matter if you don't get to work out for teams or do any combine-type stuff because scouts are going to have to go off something. And those mock drafts are based on guys who talk to the scouts, so there's got to be some legitimacy to them. I don't know when the NBA draft will happen, if it'll happen on time, but it would seem pretty clear that there's not going to be any pre-draft workout. So I think he's set himself up pretty well just based purely on what he's done on the court the last two years. You know, I don't I don't know. Uh, obviously, the NBA has the ability, as does uh, the other sports that are quote-unquote suspended right now, uh, to re reconfigure. And, and I think the NBA had 18 or 19 regular season games left. And, you know, there's discussion about moving that back to eight or six and then getting ready for the playoffs, whatever the case may be. But I'm not sure – from a logistical standpoint, how they can change the draft, because uh, as is the case with both Major League Baseball and with the NBA, once you're drafted, you immediately go into workouts. It's not like the the NFL draft where it's waiting for you do OTAs, but you're waiting for camp to start. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do that from a logistical standpoint. Frees up one more scholarship for Florida State, and I'm sure that they will fill that. FSU over the last few years has done an incredible job on the trail. But Devin Vassell really, you know, the story's kind of changing for Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones and company because now you're talking about getting a five-star to come in next year like a Scotty Barnes. But Devin Vassell was a who in the world is this guy when they signed him. And not unlike Fee Cavangale, he's going to end up being a first-round pick and getting a guaranteed contract. So it is evolving for Florida State. But for now, they've got, you know, they've got their toe in both waters. They can go get the big five-star, and they also can get the diamond in the rough and turn over rocks, which is what Leonard has made a career doing. The, the part that we don't talk enough about is the development part. You and I have talked about that on the football side, because even if you bring in a five-star athlete on the football side, you still got to develop him as a football player. Leonard and, and his staff do a remarkable job. Uh, Fee Cabangali is the prime example of taking a raw talent, which Vassell had talent, but not a very polished uh, player, and turn that raw talent into a very, very good contributing member of the team. And in Fee's case, first-round draft pick, and in Devin's, probably a first-round draft pick. But you're exactly right. They were a little bit off the radar coming in. Hats off to Leonard and his staff for their ability to develop. Uh, these kids that are coming in and teaching them how to play basketball in a way that gets recognized. We are just getting warmed up on Front Row Knowles. Our Osceola insider Bob Ferrante will join us later on. And it's a What About Bob show because Bob Brayman, the head track and field coach for Florida State, will join us next segment. Crazy times in college athletics. Obviously, he coaches a spring sport. The track team was literally about to fire the starting gun on the NCAA indoor championships. He had 10 athletes with him. And then that's when word came down that College athletics was canceled as we know it, at least for this year. So we'll converse with uh, Coach Brayman next segment. Let's talk a little bit football, though. Florida State got big news on Tuesday, Keith, and that uh, transfer running back from Texas A&M, Jason Corbin, is going to be eligible as a redshirt sophomore for Florida State. When he came in, they, we thought he might have to sit out a year. But getting him, that makes the running back position very interesting now. And he's going to be on the very short list to ultimately be the starter for FSU. I would agree. You know, as we were sitting there in the Sun Bowl wondering, you know, who, who's going to play running back with Cam out and leaving? And, you know, this 
happening with this scholarship kid and, and not having enough scholarship players uh, signed and what's the signing class going to be looking like. Uh, it, this is a big, big win for Coach uh, Norvell and his staff, and, and I'm excited. Uh, obviously, you know, you'd like to have spring ball. You'd like to have summer workouts before you start camp in the fall, but uh, this guy has versatility. He can run the ball well. He's a tough little runner. He also catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. Uh, so this is a great addition for Florida State. And I agree with you. I think he will compete for starting time uh, when the season uh, rolls around. He uh, got hurt, so he's got to get his hamstring back. He got hurt at Texas A&M. Was a really good kick returner. Didn't see a ton of time as a running back, but he will be right in the mix for Florida State, the running back position. So that's a glimmer of good news for Mike Norvell. And we talked about this last week. And I know Coach Norvell was on the Jeff Cameron show earlier this week. It's just surreal times to think about taking over a place like Florida State, really moving anywhere as a new head coach, and then being stuck in this predicament. Not that he's alone, but I can't imagine. It's certainly not what he signed up for. And Norvell is a guy who programs every minute of every day. And I'm just curious to see how he's going to wade through these waters, so to speak, which, which are unchartered for Florida State moving forward. Well, I was a little bit uh, – I didn't – because I'm not in that in a full-time basis, obviously, was a little bit unaware of how all the rules, uh, you know, work. I, I interpreted this new dead period to be a completely dead period, but I understand that you're still allowed to text and to email, but you're prohibited from initiating telephone calls, but you can accept telephone calls. Well, given all that and knowing how high energy Coach Norvell and his staff is, I'm sure they're uh, using quite a bit of time on email and and uh, and on uh, direct messaging, texting, as it were, uh, because they're just not going to sit around and, and wait for things to happen. They're going to be in the forefront of doing anything they can, and, and as long as it's permissible, they're going to be after it. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Bob Raymond joins us next segment. I did my part with our good friends at Madison Social this week, Keith. I did not order food yet to go pick up, which that is a service they're continuing to offer, and they'll you can get it right at Midtown there at Sodo. And it's not that they're cooking it for you, but they basically will do the, the heavy lifting for you. And you can uh, show up, they'll get you a meal for four. You, uh, they'll bring it out, put it in the back of your car, bring it home, cook it up. I, I instead went online, this is the really lazy way, and ordered some merchandise from Madison Social because I thought I needed a few more pint glasses. So I, I got the one in honor of Mike Martin Jr. that says meat on it. And uh, I got a Chip Baker shirt, got a Mike Norvell playmaker, pint glass. I had to do something to try to stimulate the local economy, Keith. What have you done? What have you done? Well, Kathy and I have, have done uh, the takeout. We've done the prepared meals. And, and I just want to give a shout out to Matt Thompson individually. I know he's a sponsor of our program. He's a longtime friend of the program. But I have been unbelievably impressed with what he's done relative to not just worrying about his establishments, and the and the eateries that he is involved in, but he reached out and has organized and put together some of the other restaurants around town, which candidly are his competition. But he's he's pushed that to the side and for the good of all, uh, reached out and has coordinated some things that they're all doing together, and uh, that just speaks volumes about the quality guy that he is, and why we're very proud to have him uh, as, as a sponsor here on uh, Front Row Knowles. Appreciate, Matt, and continue, folks, to do what you can to support local businesses, not just in Tallahassee, but everywhere, as we're all affected by what's going on right now. 
We will open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline when we continue momentarily on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ uh, testing the limits of technology or, or more appropriately testing our limited knowledge of technology as we've expanded the conversation and pleased to welcome to the program uh, the longtime head coach of the Florida State men's and women's track field program Bob Brayman is with us coach I'll ask the obligatory how are you doing but I know that it's uh, probably not as well as you'd like to be because you'd like the out there coach yeah I mean it you know coaches are not guys who do really well on uh, you know staying in the house and <laughs> stay in you know we're we're used to working all the time we're used to being around you know the students and and you know and cross country and track we don't have a off season anyway so it's like cross country indoors and then outdoor track and then you know lots of times you've got usa and and world and olympic championships so you've you've got a you've got a full calendar year and then all of a sudden it's uh it's zero but you know it's certainly understandable how we got where we are you know, most sports fans were paying attention to the college basketball tournaments when the news came, but track and field on the track at the indoor national championships, I mean, literally moments away from firing the starting gun and competing for a national championship. So uh, uh, timing is everything, but that was just as unfortunate as it gets for you student-athletes who were right there waiting to try and race for national titles. Yeah, that was kind of crazy because we'd been in Albuquerque for two days. We'd practice in the indoor facility and we 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 shared a hotel with like 12 other teams a big giant marriott where we <laughs> ate from the same buffet every day <laughs> so uh you know it was we were already in the petri dish so to speak and uh and and we were less than 24 hours from the the start of a two-day championship so it was um quite a bit different but i think it all became real when we you know probably about two hours three hours before we got the uh, go-home orders, we watched the Knolls get pulled off the court uh, on that noon Eastern start time, you know, and, and uh, you know, stopping uh, NCAA basketball during March is, is not something they do uh, without quite a bit of forethought and, and, and making sure that's the right decision. So it, uh, it became real when we heard that and, uh, you know, we only had a couple hours to kind of get our walking papers as well. What was the reaction from your, your student athletes and your team, Bob? Well, they did a really good job. I mean, there were some people that were just crestfallen and, uh, you know, obviously there was people on the, cause we were at the practice, the last final practice. So there were people out there from other teams and all teams in tears and, uh, you know, a lot of heartbroken kids who, who were at the, peak of their life, you know, and so you get all that. Um, but I thought our 10 kids did a great job and um, were very, very mature about it on social media, um, looked at things holistically rather than selfishly. But, you know, I think, I think it's not an either or. I think we could, we could show great empathy for the people that were suffering and 
the problem that we had or had or have, we definitely have it, and the disappointment of, of a maybe potentially once in a lifetime opportunity. So yeah, it was it was a weird deal, and and uh, all we could do was just uh, try to answer questions and 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 immediately start to try to get them back home to Tallahassee, which we did uh, the very next day, and then from there it was just trying to figure out what was the safest place for them here at Florida State or in their home community, and uh, we we uh, I felt like the university did a good job of of not sitting around and, and, and taking good decisive action. And, and uh, eventually it got to getting the kids back home with their families. So to your point there on the, you know, on the student athletes here at home, are, are any of your track folks still in town or did everybody leave? Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, quite a few of them are still here. I, I say quite a few. I mean, we, you know, there's probably 20 or 25 out of a hundred plus that are still here some of them can't get home, many internationals. Um, you know, we've got two Italians, a couple Canadians, and um, we had one guy flying back to New Zealand. And during his connecting segments going back to New Zealand, New Zealand closed their borders, and fortunately they let him in. So, uh, you know, just, just stuff that you don't even, don't even know how to handle. But we have quite a few internationals who are here. Like I said, I, I would say maybe uh, 15 or so. And then there's just kids that, that are safer here uh, than going home. I've got a, one guy from Washington State uh, that's got an adopted three-year-old sister. And, you know, they don't want her to get infected. And, and you know, uh, Washington State's not the best place. So a lot of situations you wouldn't think of. Um, one of the young men from the east coast of Florida, his mother's been sick and she doesn't have coronavirus, but, you know, they don't want to send him home and, and, and be in the middle of all that, uh, maybe make her worse or vice versa. So there are, you know, there are some U.S. and Florida kids that are that are here, but the majority is uh, international kids. So what's, what's the emotions like? What have the kids expressed to you from an emotional standpoint? I mean, they're pretty good, uh, Keith. I, the main thing is... Uh, the uncertainty, you know, we, we uh, you know, we're a lot like baseball, you know, where we're, we're expected to compete till the middle of June, you know, and, and there's, uh, there's not just a competition, but there's an economic part of that where, you know, they get postseason money to stay here and, and compete, you know, with their team. And now there is no postseason. So there's no postseason money. And then, um, several of our kids are in summer school. Well, what will we, will we have a summer school? I, you know, I think there's an online, uh, first six weeks and we don't know about the next six weeks. And if they're online and they're here, can they get room and board money or, or, or can't they? And many of our kids are just, you know, we're partial scholarship sport, a lot like baseball, you know, they've got 11.7 for 30. We've got 12.6 for about 45 and so you know those those ancillary uh meals and 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 uh postseason funds those are huge uh to, to a lot of them to getting from may 1st where you end the spring semester to you know coming back in august so those are the things that keep me up at night right now and and that plus them being smart and staying healthy and safe um which you know i think we've done a good job as a university and athletic department of, of putting them in the best 
position to, to be that. And so, so far, knock on wood, we've been a healthy bunch. We're talking with Bob Brayman, head track and field coach at Florida State. Well, the big news this week, Coach, is that the Olympics have been postponed, and I think the handwriting's probably been on the wall for that for the last week or two with the way everything's gone. I mean, you've got a Trey Cunningham. I mean, this is his year. How much does that set things back that now it's going to be maybe next spring, maybe next summer, being pushed back a year? Yeah, I mean, timing is everything, and, 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 and no pun intended, but timing is everything in track and field where, you know, you're looking at um, – being in the shape of your life, um, you know, being healthy. And, and, you know, last year Trey got hurt. This year he's on the edge of, you know, all-time records in his event, the hurdles. And, um, you know, I mean, so he certainly was a guy that looked to make the Olympic team. I mean, KT Seymour was, um, you know, one of the best in the entire NCAA. Both of them had really good chances to win an NCAA individual title, which puts you in the mix for Olympic teams. So, you know, all of that stuff, uh, that's good health and good timing. And they're young, so they're, you know, they're going to have long careers, potentially, we hope. Um, but who knows what next year holds um, as they roll into, you know, the late, uh, late spring and the Olympic trials will be in June. Olympic Games presumably will also be in July like there would have been this year. So you just don't know. It's the unknown of where you are. And I don't think that's a lot different uh, in a lot of sports, you know, uh, you, you know, you don't want to be having Tommy John surgery as you're going into a baseball season, you know? So um, yeah. So it, it's disappointing from that standpoint, but they've handled it well. And um, you know, for Florida state, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we don't get four national championships from Trey because Trey and KT will be fourth year juniors next year and they if they they do well enough they'll have an opportunity to to go pro and 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 not come back for a fifth year so effectively they aren't really getting that extra year back if they're good enough to move on and i don't think that's different in in some of the other sports that 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 got canceled bob i know you probably don't know the answer to this but but of all the seniors on the combined squads how many might that extra year of eligibility help yeah, I mean, um, we don't know all the answers to eligibility yet. Like, what does it mean for somebody that's a, a, a sophomore or a junior that, that wasn't in their senior year? Are they, you know, do they have to use their redshirt season or will they get that extra year of clock time to get their four seasons in? And, um, you know, the, I can tell you, with that, even with all this uncertainty, you know, the, the transfer portal is lit up like a Christmas tree. So, you know, it's like, you know, trying to get answers about how this is going to happen and, um, you know, in, in universities, will they be able to cover the expenses above the normal scholarship limits to accommodate maybe four extra seniors coming back or, or a couple extra, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, the economics of everything hasn't been figured out yet because we don't know the, the outcome of the basketball missed revenue just yet. We don't know that. How does that balance up against, whatever savings we had by shutting down spring sports. They saved a lot of money by not having a spring season, but, you know, it cost a lot of money not to have a ACC and NCAA tournament share. So the dust hasn't settled. There's a lot of unknown questions, Keith. And um, once we get them, we'll just try to do the best we can for the student athletes and give them whatever opportunity that they, um, that they possibly can. What are you doing with your time, Bob? Well, <laughs> we've been, we've actually been really busy. Um, 
the first week back after Albuquerque, I came in for about four hours a day and, um, you know, four or five hours and answering a lot of questions with student athletes and trying to, you know, look at things like what are we going to do now for summer school and future graduation and those kind of things and how are we going to pay bills in the summer. So a lot of uh, student athlete interaction, uh, I will tell you, six feet or more. We didn't, uh, we didn't huddle up or anything. So I, I was pretty good about that. Um, and then, um, you know, I've got about a five acres that I mow here on my, on my nice riding lawnmower and it was broken. So as a daily exercise, I'm out there with the, uh, with the push mower for about three or four hours a day. And I finally got it all done. And, uh, <laughs> I think that was my exercise and kind of my, my mental time, but, uh, outside projects, uh, recruiting is, is full bore right now, uh, trying to keep. Um, the academic piece in play. Now we've got kids who maybe not be are great students, and now all of a sudden they're trying to learn online for the first time. So we're, you know, as of yesterday, Monday, and today Tuesday, calling them, saying, "Hey, don't forget to log in. You've got to get, you've got to go on, um, just because you're not here from the class." And and uh, you know that keeps me up at night as well. That that these kids are going to survive this new learning method and. Some of them aren't the you know most gifted students to start with, and then you know we we send them home and hope for the best. So I'm having my coaches and my support group and myself to get a hold of them one on one and say, look, you know, until you get this down, let's just let's let's let us help you with this routine. So a lot of a lot more going on than one would imagine, but again, it hasn't stopped me from from being able to put two or three hours a day in the in the yard. And then I went out and bought. Uh, I bought four new books because I, I love to read and, and I know I'll get to them once uh, things get even calmer here in the next couple of weeks, I imagine. AJ? I was just going to mention the Pick Up the Grisham book. I just finished it. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just got a, a Grisham book and I'm trying to remember which one it was, but it was based in, in Florida and I thought that was pretty cool and it was a whodunit crime book. So I said, I better get this one and it's, it's on my desk and it'll get read. There is an old book. It's, it's the JFK book, 820 pages uh, <laughs> that, that I've never opened. And maybe I'll get, uh, I'll get 820 pages written of this, uh, this whole conspiracy thing, you know? Uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, it, it, I love to read and I love to, I love history and I love sports books. Um, you know, I just got done with Yogi Berra, which was a great book and written by Dale Berra and, uh, uh, his, you know, growing up Yogi Berra's son is a pretty, uh, interesting read. All right. Well, we appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, you're like most of us, we don't know answers to the questions. When does, when does life return to normal? We don't know. And certainly in the college sports world, it's upside down right now as well. Hang in there, stay safe and uh, appreciate what you do for FSU coach. No, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for what you guys do. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully about six months from now, everything will be in the rearview mirror, maybe sooner, but uh, I do not want to miss a football season because I know we're going to, we're going to have a great one. So let's, let's hope for that. Indeed. Thanks so much. Back with more right after this.
Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back, Front Row Knowles. Somehow we're finding things to talk about in the sports world, even though there's no sports to talk about. Tom KJ and our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Bob, how goes it, sir? I am keeping my uh, social distance, but doing well. Well, we're all socially uh, distancing at this point. Keith and I didn't congregate in my driveway this time around. We're using technology to get through this. What is the latest from the Osceola? It's strange times for everybody, Bob, particularly when you're an outfit that makes a living covering sports. Although I will say there's been a lot of conversation about how long is this going to last? Are kids going to get eligibility back? Are coaches able to recruit right now? So it's not as if there's not news. It's just different than what the norm is. I think that's very true. You know, Pat Burnham did a really good story on – what college coaches are able to do, how they're communicating with prospects from, say, the 2021 class, 2022 class. And, you know, the short version is you can't have FaceTime with an athlete. They can't be on campus. But you can use technology like, like FaceTime, you know, iPhone to iPhone, where you can, you know, see and talk to a prospect. And, and really, that's how you're building a relationship so in recruiting, it's it's a very very different, but it's still personal in that regard. And I think you know for a lot of coaches, what they're doing is with current players, they're trying to keep up with them as best they can. You're allowed to check in, you're allowed to talk about academics. Hey, how are things going now that classes are online only? You're allowed to talk nutrition. Strength and conditioning coaches have laid out you know, workouts that you can do from home and. And some guys have access to weights around the house and others don't. So I think the key is stay in communication, even though it's, it's truly not face-to-face in person. Tom Black, I just find it interesting when you, I just find it interesting and, and you've touched on it with the strength and conditioning folks that uh, because they don't have access to the gym. And as you mentioned, the many of them don't have their own personal weight systems in whatever shape, form or fashion, the whole concept of uh, body weight uh, conditioning has come back into play that uh, we used to see 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. Yeah, it, it was initially a term that I, I wasn't very familiar with because it's, look, I'm clearly looking at me. I'm not a, a guy who is in great condition and, and lifts weights. But I, I think it just speaks to the creativity of the strength and conditioning coach, someone who can say, all right, what what can I suggest to someone who's either in a dorm room or an apartment or maybe back home with mom and dad and, you know, we've seen on social media, some guys have taken two, you know, concrete blocks and they've put a, a pole between them and, and tried to, you know, lift blocks. It, it feels and looks strange, but people are trying to use a garage or a carport, just any means to, to stay conditioned. And I think a lot of coaches, regardless of the sport, have encouraged, uh, you know, jogging, running, you know, make sure you're not out there in groups, but go ahead and do it. And I, I thought it was really 
also intriguing. We were on a call the other day with some Florida State track and, and swimming athletes, and swimmers basically said, hey, realize we don't even have a pool. Pools aren't open nationwide. So, you know, your, your sport is literally taking place in water, and, and now these swimmers are trying to think about what do I do as far as you know, body weights and, and running and, and nutrition? How do I keep myself in some semblance of shape? So a lot of challenges, but I think we are also seeing some very creative solutions. Bob, I want to talk basketball here. I know that Trent Forrest is, spoke with the media on Wednesday, and I think it's the first time since the tournament. And obviously we're all disappointed for how that ended for Trent. But I'm curious, this is more a conversation for the group. How are you going to remember him? Who does he remind you of? And I'll give you an example from my perspective in terms of just being an all-around program guy that was a really good player, wasn't necessarily the headliner on the team. And the example that comes to mind for me is Devin Travis, who was uh, affable, very good player for the baseball team, but wasn't Buster Posey or, or, or James Ramsey or some of the maybe the bigger headliners that he played with. But Trent Forrest has got to be on the really short list of uh, – and, and Devin wasn't a four-year guy, I don't think, so, so Trent's a four-year guy – Anybody else that comes to mind, or just how are you going to remember his career? He's not the ultimate team guy. I think that's a, a really good you know, comparison to, to Devin Travis, who was probably one of my favorite guys to interview. Um, just a really first-class guy and always smiling, always happy. And, and Trent Forrest has that kind of charisma and kind of making everything positive attitude that I've always enjoyed. You know, with Trent, I, I've always felt like it's not the numbers. It's definitely not the points per game, but he provided points. And it's not the rebounds or the assists, but it was just all those contributions, all those key plays, you know, the, the willingness to put the team on the shoulders at times, to to lead them through difficult situations, you know, the five up at Notre Dame to, to get that win, the, the dunk over Jordan Wara. He, he just made so many impactful plays. Um, and I think that was contagious in the sense that, that the players really saw his energy and his enthusiasm and also his willingness to fight through so many injuries, you know, things that we never heard about. You know, there was the bone bruise and the, and the toe that was a turf toe or whatever it was phrased at. But Trent played through so much that I think we never really fathomed what he was going through. But he, he was always out there, and he was always trying to deliver. And in the end, he's the guy that even with a shortened season in his senior year, nobody has more wins in Florida State history than Trent. And it's really remarkable, I think. Tommy, this might be a stretch, and, and, and Bob, you weigh in too. But, you know, the guy that comes to mind for me is Charlie Ward. You know, Charlie was known for his football and for his Heisman Trophy. But what he did on the basketball court, I think Trent basically mirrored. He was a great defender. He was a distributor of the basketball. He played with others that were around him and Sura and Edwards and Cassell that, you know, got a bigger limelight, at least in college. Uh, he played through injuries. People forget when Florida State made the, uh, the Elite Eight uh, in Charlie's time, uh, he actually flew back to Tallahassee for treatment on his shoulder and then flew back out to a playing site when the team went directly from site A to site B. And then obviously, you know, Charlie with 12 years in the NBA, uh, I, I just, you know, quiet, confident, made everybody else around him better. 
uh, you know, I, I, I like that comparison. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go with that. I don't think it's that much of a stretch, KJ, because I've actually thought of that too. If you just had Charlie Ward, the basketball player, and took football out, I, I think if you go back through FSU point guards, that's the guy Trent's most like. Now, Charlie had a long NBA career and was better with the outside shot than what Trent is right now. But Trent, to me, is much stronger in the lane and not so much mid-range, but, but going to the basket. So I am very interested to see what the professional level looks like for Trent. Um, but I think that's a good comparison. Bob? Yeah, I hadn't thought about it because you think of Charlie Ward as a guy who received a claim of a basketball standpoint. It was underrated about Charlie was he was able to flip that switch once football season was over and jump out on the basketball court and kind of just pick up and, and be be that leader on the team. And so I, I like it. I think from uh, from a positive attitude standpoint, I think we've talked about you know that's a common denominator in, in Charlie and Devin Travis and also Trent Forrest. Those are guys who were consummate team first guys and really just positive about life and their sport in general. Obviously, the big basketball news this week is that Devin Vassell moved on. That's not really a surprise. We're waiting on Patrick Williams. It seems odd to be in this place, Bob, but I'm I'm actually not that concerned given the way Leonard and his staff are recruiting right now. And that that's just a complete transformation to be in that place or space when you're talking about FSU basketball. But I think that's where we are. Yeah, you know, I caught myself um... – a little bit of clickbait, I guess. Somebody put out a story of, you know, top college basketball teams for next season. And I was just curious, you know, where Florida State would be put, you know, on that list. And I had to scroll a long way, all the way down to 25. And it kind of gave me pause because I, I think the media fell into this trap last year and, and didn't realize who was coming back. They were thinking and focusing on who Florida State had lost. And I think it's happening all over again. Because people are going to say, well, the engine, the Trent Forrest is gone, a big man like Dom, and now Devin Vassell is, of course, a huge piece. But whether or not Patrick Williams comes back, I still feel like you've got a really good core. Um, we haven't really seen what Scotty Barnes can do in a college game, but I feel like he's a guy who can come in and be impactful. And, of course, he's going to play off the bench because that's what Leonard Hamilton does. But can he be that next – let's not put him up there with a, with a Cobb and Dollar or a Patrick Williams, but can he be that sixth-man type who really is a spark off the bench and learns defense to complement his offense? I, I have a feeling that, yes, to your point, the way the coaches recruit, this isn't going to be a team that's going to drop off next season – Selfishly, of course, love to see Patrick Williams come back and see him play with Scotty Barnes. But I think we're we're looking at a very, very good FSU basketball game, basketball team yet again next season. And the thing, Tommy, that you and I talked about was the ability for Leonard and his staff to develop kids once they got on campus. And I think we only have to look at uh, at Kaprovica as a kid that you know six months from now, seven months from now, when when basketball picks back up. He's going to be a completely different player, both physically and his basketball skills, than he was as a freshman coming in. And I think you'll see like development with others 
and, and, and I'm excited about that aspect because Leonard and his staff has proven that they can take talent and make them basketball players. Keith, you and I will talk some more basketball coming up in our next segment. Uh, as we finish up with Bob Ferrante from the Osceola, I'll remind you that you should subscribe for six ninety five a month. You can find out more information online at theosceola.com. Bob, what else would you like to add? I know you guys have been doing uh, – you know, you were – you were dug in on doing some work on name, image, likeness, NIL, and that all kind of moved to the back burner in light of coronavirus of late. Uh, but, uh, you know, any, anything you want to share there on any projects you're working on at the Osceola right now? Well, I think we, we've got some interesting stories coming up, and, and one of them, um, you know, we want to profile Jonathan Isaac and some of the good work that he's doing down in Orlando, and I encourage um, – you know, if you haven't heard about it, go out there and do some research. What he's doing is providing meals, uh, breakfast, and lunch down in the Orlando area for youth um, who, you know, wouldn't have a meal because that's what they would be getting at school and they're now out of school. So I think what we're seeing is is some athletes who are very socially responsible. I think that's encouraging. And, you know, one of the things that we want to do at the Osceola is still continue to cover the business side of college athletics you know, how are things changing financially? How are administrators adapting? How are athletes adapting? I think with no games, there are still stories to write, and, and there's still very much a, a curiosity from all of us as to how people are adapting. So I think those are some interesting storylines as, as we move forward here. Sounds good, Bob, from the, uh, the Osceola. Appreciate it as always, and we'll catch up next week. Take care, guys. Our Osceola insider, Bob Fronte on the Earl Bacon Agency. Hotline will step aside, come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles as we finish up, we're pleased to bounce back to basketball. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and welcome a uh, longtime friend of program. Stan, I think you hold the record. Uh, you, you definitely have the most appearances on the show, but associate head coach for Florida State's men's basketball team, Stan Jones, on the line. This has to be a surreal time for you, Stan, and obviously we're all dealing with extenuating circumstances, but, I mean, March, this is the month for basketball, guys, and unfortunately we're all having to sit home and there's no games going on. So just how difficult a time has this been for you and, and Coach Hamilton and the, and the team? Well, I think two of the last times I've been on your show was 365 days ago and 730 days ago when we were in California getting ready to play in the Sweet 16. So it uh, it does seem a little surreal. It's uh, obviously it was disappointing with the season we had with our guys, but you know, as the uh, as the good book tells us, in 436 times that uh, this this shall, this shall come to pass, and uh, we're going to find a way through this and believe that. Uh, uh, with this group of guys that got a, a good thing taken away from them, that there'll be better things for us in the future. Given that you didn't even get to complete the ACC tournament, how significant looking back was it that you had that 
cutting down to the nets at the final home game to end the regular season. And then the trophy presentation, which that had to be in a, you know, another, I hate to use the word surreal again, but just an odd time because that was when all the news broke. But just to have those little moments looking back, I know it's not playing the tournament, but at least you did get somewhat of your, of your due and got a chance to cut some nets down. Well, to, to answer the second part of that question first, I mean, it was, if you looked at the photos or the videos of uh, Mr. Swafford's presentation of the, of the championship trophy, you didn't, you didn't see a lot of uh, excitement and enthusiasm in our guys because one thing about that group we had uh, this year was they were a very competitive bunch. And I had done the scout on the Clemson game for that day and I had given them the talk in the locker room before they went out to start warming up. And I could tell they were ready to play. They, they wanted a return opportunity at Clemson after letting that game get away up at Little John. And uh, uh, so they were, they, were, they were more disappointed on not getting to compete than they were excited about uh, having an honor at a very weird time. But uh, looking back on it, you can kind of see how things work together and how your steps are ordered. That, uh, uh, and, the, and I got to give the athletic department and the university and Drew Longnecker a lot of credit. Uh, uh, the postgame celebration and the order of how they did things and the things that they presented – to our guys uh, is, a, is a moment that none of us will ever forget, especially for those players, especially for those seniors and the guys that are moving on. Um, to have that opportunity on their home court with that much love from their home fans and from uh, the student body and uh, to be able to experience all that, sharing it with the Seminole Sound and the cheerleaders and the Golden Girls, uh, that's a moment that will never be taken away from their memories uh, whatsoever because it was a, uh, a fantastic moment for our program and uh, – uh, that'll live on in eternity for those guys. Stan, you've been with Leonard almost 30 years now, and obviously uh, what was said <laughs> in the locker room, what was said in the locker room needs to stay there. But I'm just curious from your perspective, how important, how significant, if you will, how lucky is Florida State to have Leonard, particularly in a position like this where some calm and some experience and some wisdom was very important for a period of time with these youngsters. Well, the, the people don't realize how fortunate uh, Florida State is to have Leonard Hamilton as the leader of their basketball program because his ability to put things in perspective and to say the right things uh, to young men as a group and to them individually, and that's been going on since all this came about and you know, school's been shut down and they're working remotely and you stay in touch with guys. I mean, his contact, contact ability with his players is his biggest strength. I, I tell recruits this all the time, as good a basketball person as he is, he's a far better molder of people. And, you know, he was able to keep all that in context. And we got back on Friday and we heard the news that uh, uh, we met on Friday that uh, the NCAA tournament was not going to be played. Uh, you know, he was, you know, he, he really was very – um, helpful to our guys in terms of their emotions and uh, the positiveness of what they've accomplished, but you know, more importantly, to not let themselves get in compromising situations where their health or their family's health could be at risk. And you know, he's been able to, to really help steer our guys down a road that none of us have any history or reference points for. So he just has a unique innate ability to handle those situations. Well, if anybody who doesn't know, uh, Leonard probably is the person that has washed his hands more time in his life than anybody else <laughs> I've ever been around him. So that was nothing new for him. No, and he was, he's, been, he's been 25 years ahead of the curve on hand sanitizers. I can promise you that. He, I, his garage <laughs> probably has more cases of it than uh, everywhere we go. And uh, anytime there's a, any cold or flu or any bug in our team, he's passing out sanitizers to our players to have 
in the locker room and to have at their apartments. He, uh, he, uh, he, he certainly kept himself in. That's probably why he looks as young as he does after all these years. <laughs> probably so. Stan, what's, what are the players doing right now? What are the coaches doing to communicate to them? I mean, uh, you know, pick a guy, somebody who's coming back for your team next year. I mean, uh, this is, this is uh, everybody keeps using the phrase uncharted waters, but it, but it really is. I mean, you're having to communicate with them remotely. They're having to go to school remotely. They're having to work out remotely uh, if they can, you know, shoot hoops remotely. Yep. So, what, what <laughs> unfolding. Well, it's certainly unprecedented and it's very uncertain times. And, you know, mainly you're just staying in touch with guys to make sure they're keeping their minds right. right. This week's been more about, you know, last week was spring break. So they kind of had, you know, time on their own, not any academic requirements, but getting back and making sure they understand how to get connected remotely with their classes that were moving to the uh, online situations and staying on top of their deadlines for the online classes they already had and staying in touch with the academic support people in the athletic department the correct way. Uh, so th- that's kind of been business as usual. <clears throat> Nobody panicked. That's just a little uh, pollen in the throat. So, uh, but uh, the the rest of the time is you know just talking about you know that they're wanting to know uh, when are we going to be able to come back you know what what do we got going forward and you know nobody knows any of the answers to any of that stuff and you know even for the guys that are moving on you know there's no timeline we can give them in terms of uh, what the NBA is going to do in terms of workouts when leagues are going to start professionally uh, we've even told all, all the agents that are running rampant trying to have conversation and have a chance to talk to our players that we're not we're not doing anything with that right now because. Until our guys know what uh, the calendar is going forward, there's no sense for us to be sitting. There's nothing an agent can do for anybody right now because nobody knows what to do. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of conversation and just kind of continuing to, to talk to guys and stay in touch and try to keep their minds right and let them know that uh, this too shall pass. And uh, it's uh, we just don't know when that's going to be. could be sooner, could be later. We just got to pray for the best. You mentioned guys moving on. Obviously, Devin Vassell made his announcement earlier this week. I think we all knew that was a possibility. Certainly in your world, you know what he projects to at the next level. How, how are you going to remember him, and, and, and where do you, what do you see as his fit at the next level? Because he's a guy, at, and you've had a lot of them. It feels like he's still just scratching the surface of what he can be ultimately. No, that's, that's a good point, uh, uh, Tom. That's, he's, uh, he's 19 years old. He's very young. His body's still – just starting to fill out. Uh, but, you know, the thing that's put him in that place to be an all-ACC player uh, and to have a chance to be uh, considered at the opportunities he's going to be considered for whenever that time will come in the future um, is all because of his attitude. He's a, he's a tremendous um, combination of humility, character, but he also has a, a, a terrific competitive spirit. You know, he's, he came in with nobody, you know, a lot of people that was in his circle back up in his home area of Atlanta, they, why are you signing with an ACC school? You can't play at an ACC school. And he's always come in with a little chip on his shoulder of saying, you know, this is where I want to be. I'm going to prove I belong. And he's been unbelievably coachable. He's been teachable. Uh, his attitude's been good. You never see him when things aren't going well, even last year when he was a freshman and sometimes not playing very much. And he was always engaged on the bench. He was always engaged in the locker room. You never saw pouting. You never saw – uh, bad body language, you know, it was never about himself. It was about being part of a winning team and knowing his time was coming and and uh, and just, just kind of respecting the game the right way. And that's a tribute to his parents on how they raised him. And also, I got to compliment his parents and the people that are around him. You know, the biggest key to development, I, I told a recruit this not too long ago, is 
you know, Tiger Woods was the best golfer of all time until he started having too many swing coaches. And the key to development is letting the people that are coaching you at the moment coach you because you can't, you can't figure out how to play the game if five different people are telling you what to do in one game. And, you know, he's been a guy that's just trusted what we've told him. He's trusted the process. He's trusted his teammates. And uh, he's, in, he's uh, been so, totally bought into being a Florida State Seminole. That's what's allowed his uh, progress to escalate so quickly. Stan, we'd also be remiss if we didn't get you to uh, share with us your thoughts on uh, Trent Forrest. Uh, I mean, just a remarkable career. He leaves with his degree. And I don't know what he might project for at the professional level, but I know at the collegiate level, he has been the absolute model of student athlete. Uh, without a doubt, I was on the phone with two different NBA teams yesterday. He was doing background and intel work on him and you know, I, was, I was hitting those exact same things, the themes with them. And I said, you know, I told a lot of you guys last year that Terrence Mann was going to make some front office look very smart, and y'all see that starting to happen for him. And uh, if you're intelligent, you'll pay a, attention to uh, to Trent Forrest, and he'll make your organization look really smart too because, you know, the one factor that all the analytics sometimes overlook is what impact you have on winning. And Trent Forrest, everywhere he's been from high school, middle school, uh, travel ball, and obviously with the Florida State Seminoles has been a guy that's impacted winning every day uh, in every phase, in the locker room, in big moments, uh, in casual moments, uh, on, on campus, in the community. Uh, in everything he's done, he's been a guy that uh, will long go down as a guy that everybody that comes through our program should want to emulate uh, in all the things that he's accomplished and squeezed out of his college career. And, uh, we have to replace him, and he's going to be very hard to, re- to replace, and uh, because he's been such a positive impact uh, in everything that we do and he, he, everything that we say, he goes and tries to represent it. So, uh, again, that's another reason why he's been so successful is because he's a guy that, uh, that he became a great leader because he was a fantastic follower. And, and one of his greatest strengths is he makes everyone around him better. And I don't know of a bigger compliment for a team leader. No, I got told an NBA team that yesterday. I said, you know, he he, he played AAU ball with uh, an AAU team that had Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns on it, and they moved him up to play above his grade level because he was the only guy that uh, could figure out how to play successfully with a guy like Devin Booker. And he's done that all the way through his career with us. If he needed to be kind of defer a little bit to the uh, more alpha dogs and Terrence Mann and Dwayne Bacon and Xavier Tan Mays and Phil Colfer, to this year him, him being a guy that was a – just unbelievable. Sometimes the fans didn't didn't always see it because he's not one of those guys that's just always <coughs> going loud and vocal and demonstrative on the court. But a guy that just could hold his team together in the apartments, uh, in the hotels, in the locker room, meeting with guys, holding meetings with his teammates, and and uh, and keeping the team focused on what they had to do in the in the moment they were. You know, he's a guy that is able to take whatever the team needs at that moment and put himself into it. Uh, because he wants to win. And that's why he had so many great finishing moments in his career is because, you know, he did have a little positive. And I always tell people, you have to have a positive selfishness about you to be a great basketball player. And he had that moment whenever he felt like the game could get away and we would lose and he would almost be like Superman and jump in that phone booth and come out with an S on his chest and was just, just didn't, didn't want to lose and would, would go into whatever he had to do defensively, stealing the ball, blocking a shot, taking a charge or offensively going and getting a basket or uh, getting an offensive tip in uh, on the glass. I mean, he just had an innate ability to go into that area and say, I don't want to lose. And 
I'm going to do whatever it takes this moment to, to help my team win. And uh, that's hard to find in, in, in any sport. And make free throws down the, down the, the, to the, to the end. I don't, I don't know that they missed one when it counted. No, he's a, he worked very hard and took great, a lot of pride in becoming a, a guy that was, uh, you could be counted on in a free throw situation. Well, and you can be counted on. I think he, I, I, I think he got that from Michael Ojo because Michael Ojo was his roommate as a freshman. And, you know, that year Michael led our team in, uh, in free throw shooting. And we had a lot of free throw contests with Trent and Michael, Michael Ojo, a couple of the managers and myself during that year. And uh, there was a lot of trash talking. And I think it kind of uh, embedded a goal in Trent that he wanted to make sure he could be uh, right there with the same shooting percentage that Ojo had that that's, that uh, his senior year and, and uh, Trent's freshman year. How's your free throw game, Stan, as we wrap up? I mean, are you winning those contests or where are you at? Now, you, you know, when they're young and it's before a game, you, you let them win one every now and then so you don't crush their confidence. But when they need to be humbled, you bring out the A game and you just tell them there's some mountains they can't climb and to keep working and, and only they can only hope someday. So you got to keep a little edge as a coach on something. You know, when you, when you get a little older, you, you can't go out there and maybe play one-on-one with them, but you got to keep one hold card in there. You can play on them whenever you need to. Yeah, but I'm pinning you down to a number, Stan. If you go shoot 100 free throws right now, how many are you making? Oh, if I concentrated the whole way, I could, I'd, I'd be up in the 90s. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to do that one show. I mean, it'd be better video than radio, but uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> hey, thanks thanks for hey, – Look, you guys, wanna, you guys want to bring your sneakers out. We'll, I'll, I'll show you some of the games we used to play with, Trent. I'll, I'll, I'll right. let you guys get a little taste of it and see how you, how you guys measure up. Well, un- unfortunately, you won't have to degrade my defense because we have to stay six or eight feet away right now, so you can't give me any demerit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, appreciate it as always, Associate Head Coach for Florida State Basketball, Stan Jones. Stay well and uh, safe during these uh, uh, just strange times for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thanks, Stan. KJ, we've run up against it. I do want to shout out Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. We do it every week. Uh, talk about do-it-yourself projects. Pretty much everything's a do-it-yourself project right now. You can't call the neighbor to come over and assist unless they're standing eight feet away, right, kid? Well, that makes uh, the two-by-fours have to be eight or ten feet long when you're doing it, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, we'll do this again next week. Keith, uh, always enjoy catching up. Uh, you stay safe as well. And, folks, uh, join us next week on Front Row Knowles. Education. We don't need no thoughts control.